should give you Yate Steep Pelletier Initiate Mai Deskis initially Billagana Bashes Chin Keenly Cheat Nina Shate and Billagana Dustinelis. So we are at the midpoint of both the NBA season and the NCAA season. Some teams are a little bit under that. The Pistons are definitely past it. Now, I believe they just played their 44th game last night. Uh, 43rd game last night, excuse me. So they're definitely past the 42nd mark. So we wanted to give the team grades at the midterms now. I, I've been doing it at Detroit Bad Boys. Going to do it more independently now with my guy, Piston Mike. Piston Mike, tell everybody where they can find you, what you got going on. At YouTube, you can find me on Piston Mike. You can find me at Piston underscore Mike on Instagram. And yeah, man, um, just check me out. You know, I'm always working, doing draft stuff, and just talk about the Pistons, you know. With your guy, Steve, we do a lot of stuff here. We've been doing a lot of, a lot of shows for you guys, but yeah. Yeah, we're going to start off with... That's one thing I didn't ask you about in our prep time beforehand, but we'll give the coaching staff a grade and then we'll move into the players as well and give each of the players a grade on the Detroit Pistons thus far this season. The one caveat we do have for this is 500 minutes is going to be the cutoff, mainly because right under 500 minutes is Isaiah Livers at 449. And then Cade Cunningham at 400. They've been injured a lot of the year, so it's unfair to give them grades, in my opinion. Rodney Magruder is 184 minutes. Nerlens is 123. He had the great game uh, the other night, sparking the defensive effort, but it's still like barely time they've been out there. So, again, these guys, I think it's too, too small of a sample size to really say anything on it. That's why... We won't be giving them a grade in it, but one of their names may come up later on. So let's start number one with the coaching staff. What would you give the grade for this coaching staff and something good, something bad? Um, I give them um, probably a um, C um, just because I feel like this coaching staff, you know, everybody didn't come into the year healthy. And I think if everybody came in the year healthy and had a healthy year, this team wouldn't be bad at all. I think we'll be a lot more closer to 500. And the one good thing I want to say is we built a unit, one of the best scoring units. Um, because at first, I remember when we have, um, I think we're like, we were like top five or top 10 in scoring some point this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the top half in the league, at least, in scoring, uh, which is a good thing. But one thing we got to work on, um, one bad thing is our paint presence. Our paint defense is non-existent. The, the, the way that people can do layup lines is crazy. So that's one thing we got to work on. Man. Yeah, absolutely. I would give them a B just because this is a second straight year where they've just had to the coaching staff has had to deal with so many injuries. Everybody's out. And now Kate is gone for the whole season. Nobody really wanted that. What happens when your offensive injury is gone? You're going to look terrible a lot of nights out there, number one. So I think they've navigated that well. They've given playing time to people that have deserved it more. Boyan, in particular, they've also let the young guys run more. Duran has now been in the starting lineup. It doesn't seem like he's coming out. That's all something we wanted, right? The hashtag mm. start Duran happened a lot earlier than even big supporters like myself wanted that to happen. 
So they should be applauded for that. Also the combination, the double beef lineup, beef stew and Jalen Duran being out there. Cause I'm, I remember them talking about it, but nobody really knew if they'd pull the trigger. I think they should be commended for pulling the trigger right now to be like, let's see if this works. And like you and I talked about last time we did just piston specific stuff. They're going to suck on defense anyway, right? Just let mm-hmm. Jalen Duran and, and beef stew get out there. Cause that can at least help with the paint stuff. But <laughs> that hasn't been the case mm-hmm. many a night. Um, so why I would keep that out of an A range though in bad parts. I, I hate to like nitpick offense because I'm not a professional, so I don't want to like say, but I, I just Jaden Ivy in particular, some of the things he ran at Purdue off ball, I really don't think they've done any of that mm-hmm. on the Pistons. And maybe that's because Cade's out, so they want to give Ivy the ball more. That's fine. But I think Sadiq is a good example of like where my beef with the coaching staff is because I'm like, what is exactly his role? Like, what are you envisioning him as? Like he was starting, then he went to the bench, and when he was on the bench, they gave him a lot of usage, and then they stopped doing that and let Burks take over. Sometimes he was just a floor spacer. Sometimes he they were asking him to attack the basket. Sometimes he was a small forward. Sometimes he was a power forward. He's played shooting guard now in the starting lineup. Really? Like that speaks to his willingness to do those things, but we've seen now he shouldn't be in some of those roles, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of – are getting to that that area where if they don't just keep him as a floor spacer first and foremost, like what are you even doing with him? Um, and I'll bring up another point with that later on, but that's why I'd keep it out of the B range. I think a lot of guys, they've kind of just experimented with a little bit too much. And Sadiq probably is the best example just because it's year three. Mm-hmm. And not that you're going to be the player you are in year three the rest of your career, but that's when you kind of start figuring out what you can and can't do. I think they pushed Sadiq too far into like things he can't do that maybe it's taken away from just developing as a shooter in particular. Yeah, definitely agree. I definitely agree on that 100%. All right, to our first player we're going to grade from the Pistons, and that's Kevin Knox, who's played 505 minutes, shooting splits of 61.8 from two-point range. Uh, 31, or excuse me, he's shooting 40, well, where am I at? Yes, he's shooting 35.3% from three-point range, and he is scoring 5.7 points per game, 2.4 rebounds, and then under one assist, under one steal, under one block. What grade would you give Mr. Kevin Knox so far? Um, He's been solid. I would give him maybe, you know, a B minus, almost C. He's been very solid. Um. Some games he comes in and don't produce. Other games he come in, provide a little defense, hit a three here and there, you know, get a rebound or two or get a block or two here and there. So um, overall, you know, satisfied with only paying him $3 million over two seasons in his second year, not guaranteed. Can't be too mad at it. So, Yeah, I agree. I'd probably give him like B, maybe even in the B plus, just the shooting, like 35.3 isn't that great. But, I mean, this was somebody that nobody really bought into as a shooter the past two seasons, and he's put in the time and the work. We all heard in the offseason, Kevin Knox is shooting great, and everybody kind of rolled their eyes, right? Nobody wanted to believe in it, but he's done well. Like you said, up and down, I think consistency is just where you have to be at. If you're not going to be a star, you have to figure out what's my role, what can I do consistently that gets me minutes on the court. Brandy, right? We just want him to play some defense, six foot seven. And shoot some threes 
anything else is just gravy, right? So play a little bit more defense, Kevin Knox. You've been great so far. I think somebody who should be given another year, right, just to see if he can fit in the, the rotation. He's a younger guy. I believe he's still like 23. Yeah, 23 years old right now. Don't give up on Kevin Knox. Moving up in the rotation at 532 minutes is Marvin Bagley. I know he's been injured, but I think he's still get enough, getting enough. Have he still has had enough time out there on the court for us to grade 10.6 points per game on shooting splits of 58.9% from two. 27.3% from three, and then 76.9% from the free throw line. Pulling in 5.9 rebounds, under one assist, under one steal, under one block, under one turnover. Great on Mr. Marvin Bagley that there. If I get folded, it's okay. I'll give him, let's see. Um, this because I don't think he provides much value except for being a backup big and he can't really guard the paint like we really want him to. And he hasn't showed the ability to stress the floor yet. I think this is year six for him. I, and he's and he's only played 191 games in six seasons. So I, I don't think Marvin Bagley is part of the long-term future here. I just don't think he's had a great year um, after paying him. I just don't. So. Yeah, I have to agree with that, like C-minus somewhere in there just for all the reasons you let out. If he could shoot the three more consistently, what would your thought on him be? I think that's something that I always think about. Like, if he was a better three-point shooter, would I like him more? What are your thoughts on that? If he was able to stretch out the floor, that's something that we're missing. We're missing a big that can knock down the three and, and do a little bit of everything. And if he could be a little bit just a solid rim defender, just put up, you know what I'm saying, put up the long arms, go like this, I think he would be tremendous value. He might be in the B-plus range, man. He, so yeah, I know we're not going to grade him, but that's a great point because, like, Nerlens just last night, right, his yeah. defensive ability he got four blocks. And Jaden Ivey said in the post game, like, that's contagious, right? Everybody just picked it up. So I think that's a good point on Bagley and why it's hard to really say great things about him. And if you're the same player you were in your rookie year and what is it now, year four, year five, somewhere in there, yeah. hard to really see a path going up. So that's our grade for Marvin Bagley. Next up on the list is Corey Joseph at 545 minutes total so far this season. Kojo has scored 4.6 points per game, shooting splits of 45.2% from two, 31.3% from three, 76.5% from the free throw line, 1.3 rebounds, 3.1 assists, under one steal, under one block, and 0.7 turnovers. What's your grade for Mr. Corey Joseph? Very divisive player in Piston fandom. I give him a B. Um, I think Corey Joseph is just one of them guys who um, come in when everybody's doing bad, just to come in and change the flow a little bit, help the guys get back into the rhythm. Um, he's definitely a good vet, probably teaches a lot of guys good things. Don't really mind him being on this team, but I think he's just a solid vet to keep around. That's all. Yeah, you wish the shooting splits were like they were last year where he's shooting mm -hmm. like 40%. So probably something like a B-minus from me. 
I would just like him to, to shoot it more. But yeah, everything else he said, like I have nothing to add. He's at the tail end of his career. He's still a vet that lines up in the right spots on defense, provides veteran leadership and guidance to the young guys. So yeah, he's still useful, but in terms of productivity, it seems like those years are behind him. Next, 591 minutes, which I was actually surprised at. I feel like he hasn't played this much is Hamadou Diallo. Mm. Hamadou has scored 7.6 points per game, shooting splits of 57.9% from two, 27.8% from three, 57.3% from the free throw line. Uh, 3.4 rebounds, under one assist, under one steal, under one block, and averaging 1.0 turnovers per game. Thought I would give Hamadou Diallo a C plus. I did not know he played that much. I'm actually surprised you just he almost played 600 minutes. I can't believe that, but he's just an energy fireball type of guy who's going to come in and cause chaos and cause havoc. I feel like you do need them type of players at some moments. When you get down 20, he's the guy to come off the bench, and I want you to guard the best guy, get some steals, do some nice dunks, get the crowd back into it. So I like Hamadou Diallo. I always have, but if he can just somehow get consistent, even in the corner jumper, he would, his value will go crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, he's like so hard to grade. And like you just said, it's like he's been out there that much. Mm -hmm. I know he wasn't really seeing time at the beginning of the season. So I guess I didn't look at the, the game logs, but maybe he's gotten like a, long, a larger minute load since like the new year or the end of December. So that might be part of it. But yeah, corner three, man, I think that's what we've all been saying for like his whole Pistons tenure now, right? If he just had that corner three, we talk about him a lot different. It would unlock a lot more. He's a good cutter. I think he doesn't get enough credit for moving off ball. Mm -hmm. I think playing with Marvin Bagley, I I don't I didn't look at the two man lineups, but I feel like every time he's out there, Bagley's out there, or Duran's out there. So you can't put him in the dunker spot, which he did last season, and he was pretty good at, at doing that stuff. But you just can't be a wing player without a three point shot in the NBA anymore, right? Like mm -hmm. there's just no no way going forward. So it's probably like a B minus plus. He's gotten better as a defense. Uh, maybe if he was a different team that had more floor spacers, that would be a little bit more impactful. But this team still needs his scoring. And without the jump shot, it just kills who he can be on the floor with and like his productivity. So, yeah. Really hope Pomadu um, can figure it out. And I, I hate, I would hate, hate, hate for him to go to another team and end up like Gary Payton the second or somebody like that, you know, where all of a sudden the athleticism, all that pops, he takes just enough threes a game and hits them like just an average rate, but everything else irons out. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, not another one. Cause between Spencer Dinwiddie, Chris Middleton, Bruce Brown, I'm probably forgetting like three or four names in there. I just hate seeing these other guys work out somewhere else when they were on the Pistons. Um, hopefully that's not the case with Hamadou and he can figure it out here. Next up the list is Alec Burks at 700 minutes. So we're starting to climb up the minutes. He is scoring 14 points per game. Alec Burks has shooting splits of 47.4% from two, 45.3% from three. That's higher than Bojan Bogdanovic, believe it or not. 81% 
from the free throw line, 2.9 rebounds, 2.2 assists, under a steal, under a block, or under one uh, one steal per game, under one block per game, and then 1.2 turnovers per game. Thoughts great on Alec Burks? I'm going to give Alex Burks, I think he's been running the second unit. As soon as he came in, we became the highest score second unit. So I have to give Alex Burks an A, man. He's going to come in. He's going to be a microwave scorer. He's going to come in. He can throw a couple dimes when they need to be. He's just a great scorer. He's um 31 years old. I'm actually surprised, man. The dude can get hot and he can get hot fast. I didn't I was not expecting that. Some games he was just going off. I'm like, "Yes, we need this." So yeah, I get I have to he's got to be one of the players who for sure if not doesn't get an A, at least an A minus. Yeah, 4.4 three-point attempts per game, 45%. That's just, like you said, on fire. I agree with you, A. I would like his defense to be a little bit better. He's been part of the problem more than anything else. But he also has value to the team in terms of being a trade piece, which we will talk about later. So, yeah, A, you just look at that productivity, and you can't you can't diss it, right? There's there's really nothing bad to say. Without him, I we saw what the bench looked like when he was injured, right? And then he came in and bam, they're immediately tons and leagues better. So yeah, Alec Burks, A, maybe even in the A plus range, if you really wanted to, I wouldn't argue against it. Yeah. Right next is one of our crown jewel rookies, Jalen Duran at 951 minutes total uh, so far this season. 7.7 points per game. Eight and a half rebounds, one assist per game, under one steal, 0.7 blocks per game, 1.2 turnovers, and then 63.7% from two-point range. Uh, it's zero attempts from three, it looks like, and then 57.3% from the free throw line. Thoughts on Jalen Duran? I'm going to give him a B plus. He has been spectacular, especially for a rookie. Um just a rebounding machine, just grabs rebounds for days. He has been able to stay with some people somewhat when it comes to switching around the picks, um, but he's still learning. He is a rookie, but I think in the next three or four years, he's going to be a problem. I absolutely love Jalen Durant, love his pick. I'm glad he's a piston. He's limited offensively let me say that if he gets a hook and a turnaround on um, mid-range jump shot i think it's game up after that so yeah i give him an a just because he's ahead of schedule i remember mm-hmm. the rebounding questions last season at memphis and they're early in the season and then he's just shut everybody up since then right since he's been in the starting lineup he does not look like your typical center rookie there's just not too many rookie centers that start and are not just completely lost on defense. He still has his lapses. There's one thing that is concerning, though, under one block per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that will iron itself out later on down the stretch, but that's just my question and something I would dive in deeper to the film is like, why is he not blocking more shots? Probably because the switching scheme, right? The Pistons switch everything, so it probably pulls him away from the rim more than he ought to. But it is helping because... He switches better than everybody thought, myself included, even though I really liked Jalen Duran. I was like, eh, I don't know if this guy's ever going to be able to be in a switching scheme. Well, he shot me up so far, too. This isn't somebody that's going to be like one-on-one 
with John Morant in the playoffs, you know, but he's going to be able to hold his own. He understands positions and angles uh, for somebody so young. And that stuff can only get better. Hopefully it will only get better. Uh, yeah, limited offensively. But I think even if he became like somebody you can spam pick and roll, like you just run pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll again with him and Cade or even him and, and, and Ivy. Ivy's speed is too much that um, Duran's probably going to get free for an easy finish. Cade's mid-range is already so good that somebody's going to have to double-team Cade if he's just hot one night, and then Duran gets the easy dunks. So I think even on that, and if he could just do that one thing, it's going to work out because who he has his teammates already. Next up, the minutes is... Isaiah Stewart at 1,027 minutes. Beef Stew this season has scored 11.8 points per game. Shooting splits of 55.9% from two, 34.2% from three, five point or 7.9 rebounds per game, excuse me, 7.9 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists, under a steal a game, under a block per game, and then one and a half turnovers per game. Thoughts and grade on beef stew. Uh, he's kind of hard to grade, but given that all that he worked on, I think I might give him a um, might give him a B minus. Um, I like beef stew. I like what he brought. He's had at least he's taken threes, and I know he was shooting hot a hot percentage early, and it came down to more like reality. But he's a tough guy. He's going to go in there. He's going to rebound against um, people. He's not really, you know, much. He's an okay defender. He's more like a bruiser. But um, I still think he should be coming off the bench, me personally. I think we need to get a more modern-day four who's actually a four. But we'll see, man, what happens. I would actually give him an A just because doing things outside of your comfort zone and doing things – to expand your game is one of the hardest things to do in professional sports and really doing things to expand and get out of your comfort zone is one of the hardest things to do in life, no matter the profession or whatever it is that you do. So that's why I would give him an A. He's taking 4.2 threes per game. He's taking 152 total threes per game, which is fourth on the team. So it's not a small sample size. And I know I said this across multiple things with you on Woodward Pistons with a couple different people. If he's just a 33% three-point shooter on like three a game, then he would be good because of all the other things that he can do on defense. And then it doesn't limit him to being just the dunker spot guy or being somebody who has to get pick and roll or somebody who has to get post touches and stuff. And more importantly, it helps out his guards more than anything else and whoever the center is. You can also run like five out stuff if they get another guy that would play power forward. So that helps out and unlocks so many other things. Switching on defense continues to be better and better, which I'm pretty surprised on because he was already pretty good. We've seen times where he's switching onto the point guard or where they're just like, you know what? Everybody else sucks on defense. Guess what? Beast do you're the point of attack defender tonight. <laughs> Alarming and why the team defense is so bad because then you don't have you know, his presence closer to the paint or on like a wing or somebody who's not as quick and he's got to run around more. But his ability to be able to do that and not get embarrassed, yeah, kudos. And if I can highlight one thing with him, he's somebody I will go a little bit further in. It's just the the beef between him and Draymond Green on the court. Like, that's exactly what you want to see, right? Like, sign Isaiah Stewart up for life. You know, bad boy for life, for real. Just not going to back down from anybody. 
and now has the game to back it up too with the ability to stretch the floor. His attacking closeouts too is the last thing I'll close on is the thing I think that will unlock his potential and why I'm more bullish on him being a starter because if he can just continue to hit threes and then attack closeouts the way he has and get off the dribble, then yeah, it lights out. It just opens up so much more for the guards. But he's got to hold on to the ball that I feel like there's been too many times where he's like gets happy, he's got the lane clear, and then he goes up for the dunk and then slips out. It's like two hands, man, two hands. So that would be my only gripe with beef stew there. On up the minutes list now at 1,000. 107 is Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes right now is scoring 9.8 points per game, shooting splits of 43.0% from two-point range, 32.7% from three, 81% from the free throw line, 2.9 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists, 1.2 steals, under a block a game, and then 1.9 turnovers per game. Thoughts on Killian Hayes and the grade? Um. I'm going to give Kelly an A um, just because at the beginning of the year, he didn't even look like he was going to be on the pistons much longer. He completely did a 180. He got more confident, um, got more aggressive, started attacking, got to pulling up to his mid-range game, and then once he get hot from that, he's been shooting threes. He looked like a true point guard. Um, with the ball in his hands, I can't do nothing but praise Killian. He's one of our better defenders. I, I just hope. So far, it looks like he's just been keeping up and keeping going and has some really good big number games. I just can't wait to see him next season. So, yeah. Mike. Thanks for uh, reminding me I'm on mute. So uh, his grade for me is like B plus. I definitely laud the the turnaround and his ability to do that. But like keeping it real, it's also circumstantial, right? If Cade were still healthy, would this happen? I don't know. (laughs) Kudos to the player for stepping up and realizing like, oh, this is number one, an opportunity I have to take hold of. And number two, like this might be it, right? If I don't do it now, then, then I'm back in Europe or somewhere else. The the one thing with me is just I understand he's playing kind of like a Cade facsimile and doing more of the jump jump shooting, especially mm-hmm. from the mid-range. I just wish he would attack more with the way he can handle and what he was able to do pre-draft in France and in, in Germany. So that would just be my thing. It's just like you got to be a little bit more aggressive going forward. He Killian Hayes is only taking one free throw attempt per game, even as a bench player, that's not going to cut it. I think, you know, mm. I'm glad the three point shots coming around, but it, he is only taking 3.6 of those per game. So 6.42s. it's like a third of his offense. It just seems again, like he needs to be getting to the, to the hole more, getting to the cup more. And being able to utilize that to get easier three-point shots for like corner three-point shooters or somebody else, I would like him to attack more is just my only gripe. But again, on the positive side, I don't know the last time we saw somebody to turn it around in season like this, right? Like, can you remember anybody that that was like, this guy's going to be playing in China soon? And then literally the next week is like, oh, wow, this guy's really good. 
No, I can't. I, I don't remember. Like it was like it was bad. Like it was he looked like a G League guy playing the NBA. Like it was that bad. Like it was a like man. He was in darkness, like to where the point is, I thought they was just gonna wave him. Like Yeah, yeah, I agree. So kudos to Killian. Again, hopefully he can get to the rack more. Uh, the assist to turnover ratio, though, is pretty bananas, right? Mm. Uh, 5.6 assists to 1.9 turnovers. He's always been able to play the point very well. And it just, that's the thing that just seems to get better and better. 237 total assists to 79 turnovers. That's pretty elite territory there, in my opinion. So hopefully Killian can keep ironing his offensive game out, attack the rim, and just get better and better like he's been so far this season. Finally, we are at the number three most played player on the Pistons with 1,168 minutes, and that's Sadiq Bey. Sadiq, thus far, he finally missed some games. He had been the Iron Man of the Pistons. He didn't miss a game his uh, rookie year. He didn't miss a game last year, and then he had to miss a couple games this season. So poor went out for Iron Man Sadiq. Sadiq this season is scoring 14 points per game on shooting splits of 46.8% from two, 32.7% from three, 85.1% from the free throw line, pulling in 4.1 rebounds, dishing out 1.5 assists, under a steal, under a block per game, and then 1.1 turnovers per game. What's your grade for Sadiq Bay? He's kind of hard to rank to me because he's kind of inconsistent, but... Uh, I don't know the way that they have a plan. I'm going to give him a B minus, um, just because I don't think they have him playing. Um, they don't run some sets to him, or I feel like sometimes, like last year with Jeremy Grant, I've seen this, and I've seen this year with Boyan Bogdanovich, when Sadiq Bay feels like a player's bed to better than him. He kinds of, you know what I'm saying, crawls up and balls up and let the other player take a shot. So I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's the coaching staff ain't running players around him or doing the right thing, saying it's great for him, but he's just too inconsistent for me to feel like he's just, you know, deserves the air or anything else. But um, I love Sadiq Bay. Um, we'll see what happens. You never know. So. Yeah, I would have to say B minus as somebody who's been on the Sadiq train ever since I saw him at Villanova. I had him number two on my big board in that draft. I really liked him and thought mm-hmm. he had potential on the defensive side too, which hasn't mm-hmm. manifested, which is why to me he's in the minus B minus range. The defense is really the more concerning thing. There are nights where he's just as bad as Jaden Ivey, but Jaden Ivey's a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. Sadiq should have ironed out these things, and you've definitely seen him and Beef Stew communicate and get Beef Stew yell at him more on the cart, not knowing it. That would be one thing I would love to be a fly on the wall, like meetings to be like, number one, what is his exact defensive role? And number two, like, what's going on that is just not transferring? It's also very odd to see a Villanova guy not be good on defense in the NBA. Sadiq might mm-hmm. be the only exception to that. It's also why I still more or less believe in him because I'm like, if everybody else did, like, it just seems weird that Sadiq would all of a sudden forget all those fundamentals that everybody else that played there has. But yeah, the defense is really bad. Like that has to iron out. It's the difference between him being a rotation piece and being somebody in the starting lineup. And again, even for somebody like me, I'm starting to be like, I don't know. This might be more Cam Johnson than 
than anybody else, right? Six man mm -hmm. of the year, still useful, but like you said, the role is inconsistent. I don't really know what they're playing him as a lot of times, but in the last 19 games, Sadiq has taken 5.4 three pointers per game, shooting 39.2% on those threes. So this is on the last 19 games. I think the three point shot is ironing out just like it did last season. And maybe he's one of those players that just always starts slow every year. So that might be a thing. Um, the thing I wish the team would do a little bit more with Sadiq is what they were doing last season and early this season, where they are letting him drive to the basket and try and draw contact more. 85.1% from the free throw line, and he's consistently been over 80% from the free throw line all three years in the league. Like You want somebody that shoots that well to get more to the free throw line, and it did seem like they were letting him develop that more, why it fell off, or why they do it some nights and why they do it others, I don't know. Um, which is why I think he's still in the B range. I think he still has a lot to offer. The shooting is coming around. The free throw numbers are always going to be up there. But if he's is he going to be able to be given that opportunity to do that? I don't know. There's still, I still believe there's still a player in there that will be very helpful and very useful to the Pistons, probably more as a floor spacer. But we will see as time goes on what's going to go on with Sadiq. Number two most played player on the Pistons at 1,226 minutes is the number five overall pick in this last year's draft, Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey currently is scoring 15.1 points per game on shooting splits of 45.2% from two-point range, 33.9% from three, 72.3% from the free throw line, pulling in four rebounds per game, dishing out 4.2 assists, one steal per game, under one block per game, and then... 2.8 turnovers per game. Thoughts and grade on Mr. Jaden Ivey. I give him um I give him a B. Um because I know I already knew he he was gonna um his defense wasn't gonna be that great as a rookie. Um that's something he's gotta learn to be better at. Not only that, um I know turnovers is gonna be an issue for a rookie guard, especially. Um we've seen it with Cade last year a bit. So, um, but I like um, the one thing that he's definitely got to work on to his game too, which Alex Burks is helping him is a mid-range game. He doesn't have a mid-range game at all. That still has been proven right. You've been proven right on that, Steve. You said that a thousands of times, and that's what. If any, if he doesn't do anything else, he needs to work on the mid-range game this whole summer. I don't care if it's a floater from 15 feet out. I don't care what it is. Just make a consistent shot going. But other than that, I love how he gets to the rim. Um, we all knew that he could get to the rim. I've been surprised at many how many threes and what percentage he has. I thought it would have been a lot quite lower than that. I thought he was going to be in the 30%. But for him to be 33% is definitely a lot better than I thought. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As the person who's been the Jay Nivey skeptic for quite a while, I would give him a B as well. Mm -hmm. Ability to get to the free throw line, just a walking bucket, right? Mm -hmm. It's just hard to see him not scoring in a variety of ways. The defense is terrible. And it's not just for a rookie, too. I think uh, the recent Detroit Bad Boys podcast that dropped on Monday, Ben Galker talks about it a little bit there. goes into like his defense rating, his net rating, his plus minus. They're all not just bad. They're all really, really bad even for a rookie and they talk about it there, which is something you and I, and I talk on Whitworth Pistons all the time. Jaden Ivey looks like a lesser athlete 
on defense. And Ben Gulker did a great job of giving an example, saying in that San Antonio game where Trey Jones just kept blowing by him. Like, Jaden Ivey shouldn't be getting beat by Trey Jones ever. Like, there just should be no excuse. He supposedly has a 6'10-inch wingspan. I mean, we all know the athleticism. Why is this happening? Even as a rookie, like, pride should – professional pride should step in. Like, yo, this guy – I can jump over this guy, right? Like, why is this happening? To me, too, the, the main thing with defense is for being a coach's son, you see it easily on offense, but you don't see it at all on defense, and it's in the fundamental stuff. Like, just look at his defensive stance. I've seen too many times the season where he'll square up against a defender but then turn his body left or right, and it's in the absolute wrong direction, and guess what? The ball handler drives away from where he's turning, and then he's trying to play run and, run and play catch-up. And then nav screen navigation, he's terrible on it. He's never really been good at it. Maybe that'll be something that'll get better. A lot of guys suck at it as a rookie, so that's just it is what it is. But it's more fundamental stuff like, you know, putting your body in a square position to stay in front of your defender, not turning and letting them run to the wide open spot. And you have to play catch up. But Ivy's offense seems to be turning around in the last 22 games. Ivy has shot 36.4% from three on 3.5 attempts per game. So at least that is good. I think even if he was an average like that, 36 three-point shooter, that would help out a lot with the way he's able to pressure the rim too. The free throw percentage, though, like it's it's having trouble staying at 70%. It's 71.71% exactly over the last 22 games. And then on the season, the free throw percentage, which I just listed, and I'm an old man now, and I don't remember what it was, was 72.3%. Uh, this is something that goes back two years from freshman at Purdue to the you know, second sophomore season at Purdue, there were times where his free throw percentage hovered uh, like high 60s, low 70s. If you're going to build your game as a, a free throw shooter, it has to come up. Like I would just, that would be the thing that I would really want him to work out more than anything else, more than even the mid range. Cause that's where his money is, is getting on the free throw line. You're just leaving too many points on the court. If you're shooting under 75% as a guard or a wing, in my opinion, and somebody who's supposed to be like 40% free throw attempt rate. I hope the team doesn't just let him keep doing the, the three-point shooting and the mid-range stuff. So, yeah, I think if he had a floater, it would help. But again, I don't think that's where his money is, and that's not what his game is built around. His game is built around attacking the rim. I don't want him to turn into a jump shooter. If he's going to stay on this team, for me, it should be as an attacker and somebody that has supplementary like jump shooting or mid-range skills. But like everybody should be trying to, to ice him or jump in in the lane and he draws extra contact because who else is getting a free throw line on this team anyway? One more thing I would like to add on Jay Nivey. Um, one thing he has to work on on his drives is um, I see he goes down to the ground a lot. Um, I've been paying attention to that. He needs to learn how to land because um, I don't want him to have an injury history that's pretty crazy because he, he goes to the ground a lot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think with him, and this goes back to the defensive stuff, he's a more of a straight-line athlete. Hmm. Like if he were, if to use another sports analogy, if he were in the NFL, he would be like a deep ball threat receiver, like somebody who you just – too, but they don't really like you don't throw them slants or these short passes where they can wiggle and stuff 
because again on defense you don't see him being able to translate that athleticism that he gets when he grabs the rebound and runs past everybody and then jumps and just dunks over your head so that might be an issue going forward but we shall see definitely had a lot of exciting moments uh with Jaden ivy and hopefully he can continue to iron out his game here in detroit Finally, number one most played player this season so far on the Detroit Pistons is Bojan Bogdanovic at 1,345 minutes in 43 games. Bojan has scored 21.2 points per game, shooting splits of 53.1% from two, 42.2% from three, 89.2% from the free throw line, 3.6 rebounds per game, 2.8 assists, under steal, under a block, and then 2.3 turnovers per game. Thoughts on Mr. Bojan Bogdanovic? You know I have to give Bogey a plus, man. You already know the Croatian sensation. You know, he leads, the, I think, the NBA. He's the highest points from a Croatian player, I believe, now. And um, I had to give that to Bogey. He's been phenomenal. That one game we missed, from the 76ers, we got absolutely destroyed. And that would not happen with Bogey on the court. He plays with a fire and the grit to him that I like. He can score in multiple ways. I, I'm i not going to lie. I, I didn't really pay attention to him before Utah. Um, so I just thought he was just an absolute sniper. Um, no, he could get to the mid-range. He can get to the basket at a decent rate. He is an all-around scorer. He can play your six-man role. He can be, you know, your three or four. He just happens to be our best player because nobody else can create like Bogey. But we all know he older, so his defense is kind of eh, bleh, whatever. But that's not what he's really here for. He's really here to space the floor. The space should be a lot more worse without Bogey. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure, Bojan, for me, gets an A- minus just for two mm-hmm. things. Like, he's one of the primary reasons the defense sucks so much. Yeah. Just you know, mud <laughs> flap out there sometimes, right, a turnstile. And number two is I'm just sick of him complaining to the refs. Like, I don't think – I can't remember the last Piston player. <laughs> like, everything is like, man, come on. Like, just get up, get back, man. Like, you don't need to state your case every single time. But, again, those are, those are nitpicks. He's been fantastic for a team that is so bad. 63.2% true shooting percentage, absolutely fantastic. And 25.7% usage, like watching these games, you'd think he got more usage in that, right? you think he would be like in 30 range with the shots, but he still knows how to play with the ball, without the ball. Just a fantastic scorer, always has been, always will be. Uh, 14.8 assist percentage to 12.1 turnover rate. He's not a fantastic passer, but he's also not a liability on that end like he just is able to do everything on offense you just can't say enough good things about him the defense is still whatever but i mean even for me maybe i shouldn't be nitpicking that we've seen him be uh, part of a successful defense in utah consistently yeah and they fell apart in the playoffs but that's the playoffs this is still a fantastic player that hopefully will just continue to get better and help out the pistons in a bunch of different ways so that, that's the, the grades for the team. Next thing we wanted to talk about are potential trades. That's pretty much what everybody's been talking about. I feel like every single Piston-related thing, whether in national media or in the podcasts around the web, have all been talking about trades. I just want to start this off with saying 
What are your thoughts on trades? Does one happen? Does one not happen? And who do you think it's traded? I, I definitely do um, think one's going to happen. We have to uh, make multiple. I know I, I looked at James Edwards the third. He doesn't think multiple going to happen. Maybe just one move. Uh, we need more wing defenders. We need wings who can defend. That's our biggest need right now on this team. If we get a couple wings that can defend, we can be a very, very dangerous team. And um, they got a lot of good wings in this draft class. But there are also some wings that are available for trade that I would make. And um, I kind of think they're bluffing on the Boyan Bogdanovich trade. And if he doesn't get traded during the deadline, I think he's going to in the offseason. He's, he's old. Um. Does he really want to be on a rebuilding team? I'd be like, hey, man, I'm I'm trying to win. I'm about to be 34. I want to go ball out for Milwaukee or, yada, yada, or for the Suns and go live it up in Arizona and ball out and try to win a championship. So I think Bogey gets up, ends up getting traded out of anybody, to be honest. Yeah, I've said it a couple times now, and I'll say it again until the trade happens or doesn't happen. This team sucks with Bojan Bogdanovich. This team is going to suck without him. Like, what's the difference, right? And also, we just listed off his stats. We gave him an A. We see what he's able to do. you got to be able to understand and manage your assets. I know it sounds cold and whatever, but that's just how it is, right? It would be odd to keep him when you know he can be worth something now. And I don't know, it just seems like it would just seem odd to me, like you just said, 34 year old guy, like what's the benefit in keeping Bojan Bogdanovic? Honest, honest question. Like what's the benefit in keeping him right now? Nothing, nothing at all, especially because you got 10 teams calling for him right now. That's just right now at the NBA deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if there's 15 to 20 teams calling for him because everybody could use him. But. Yeah, he doesn't really fit our timeline. We need a wing defender, and he can't defend no more. There's no benefits. He is our greatest asset. And that first-round pick and that good player, don't look too far of a stretch. Some some teams is going to be willing to cough that up, some desperate teams, I guarantee you. So, yeah. What would the deal be for you then? You said wing defender. What's your ideal deal for Bojan then? Oh. <sighs> Ideal deal, mm, I don't know about ideal, but the most realistic, and I don't think he's much of a wing defender, but he is a good player. I think he ends up going to Phoenix. I do. I think Jay Crowder and Cam, um, Cam, excuse me, Johnson, and that 23 first-round draft pick, I think it was the last time I seen it was the 15th. It might be the 20th or somewhere around there. High-end lottery pick, I think it's something like that, and we can flip Jay Crowder for something else. That's why I think he ends up going. Um, but to me, you know, it, it, my dream scenario, I will want, you know what I'm saying, Trey Murphy. I will want Trey Murphy out of, <laughs> out of New Orleans, and that's not going to happen. So that would be my dream. But, yeah. Mind you, man, that would be perfect. That's yeah. I'm you and I'm talking about Trey Murphy a lot. Definitely that type of 
super long wing too. He's six foot nine. Can mm-hmm. really shoot from deep. But yeah, the um, the, the Suns. Though, I don't want to be. I, I hate to be the downer, but I just 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 saw a Brian Windhorse report mm-hmm. that they don't even know who the owner is, and the way that the NBA language works now, Robert Sarver still is the one that has to okay a trade. And the new owner can't be in place for like 30 days or something. So the Phoenix Suns deal, that's why he was, he was started off the port of like, people are asking like, why hasn't Jay Crowder been traded yet? That's why, like, they don't know who can authorize it yet. Mm -hmm. So that might end up throwing a monkey wrench in that scenario. Um, That sucks for them. Cause man, it sucks when you have a player that's on the books, but it's not even there. Right. Mm Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with you, though. This doesn't seem like there's any upside to keeping Bojan Bogdanovich. Yeah, he's a productive player. And, like, maybe the, the argument is, like, ah, you can't uh, find another guy like this in free agency or, like, you went and traded for him right before training camp. Maybe you wanted to fit him with Cade Cunningham. The spacing and everything works so great. But defense has been the the thing, right? Everybody has said that. Defense, defense, defense. And if you really believe in who you drafted – Ivy can make up for some of the offense. You think Beef Stew continues to get better. <clears throat> Ivy, Cade, even throw Killian in there. Beef Stew, Duran. What's the missing hole in that lineup? What's the missing thing in that rotation? Sadiq, even. What's the missing thing in that rotation? You just wing. said it. Wing, wing defender. defender. Right, yeah. yeah. And even if Bojan returns, what's the missing piece? Wing defender. You wing. have to find something like that. I think even if the deal was something like Patrick Beverly and Lonnie Walker from the Lakers and like another pick, I'm sure some Piston fans would poo on it, but Lonnie Walker's been playing very well. And again, he fits the timeline. He's like 23, 24 years old. He's played much better when he's been asked to play the position instead of trying to be a point guard like it was in San Antonio. That would work and adds another good young piece there. Gary Trent Jr. is one you and I have talked about before. Right, mm-hmm. Raptors are kind of in a tailspin, and he can opt out of his um, deal this off season. So maybe you uh, come to some kind of agreement with him too, of like, hey, this is the contract extension we're willing to give you. He's probably going to opt out of it too. I mean, he's only making like eighteen something. Mm-hmm. I think he immediately would become the best wing available on the free agent market because it's like Dylan Brooks, him, Lonnie Walker, and I. I can't even name who else would be a free agent. So. Yeah, those would be ones I think. And Gary Trent Jr. is not like the all-world defender you would like, but he's a better defender than than Bojan, while also being a good floor spacer as well. I think my ideal would be like Moses Moody. If they could somehow work out some type of deal with the Warriors, but the money just doesn't work without getting like James Wiseman involved. Because, mm. um, uh, you know, they're so top-heavy loaded with Steph, Clay, mm. Draymond, Wiggins, those contracts are so big. And then after that is like Wiseman, Kevon Looney, and then everybody else is kind of closer to vet minimum or like five million or under. So it's just really hard to make the money work. But Moses Moody is somebody that played with Kate at Mont Vernon too. So there's that connection. As wing is a wing, six foot six, six foot seven, was a good shooter in college, got to the free throw line a lot too at his position and at his size, was a good solid defender that would be worth the roll of the dice i think here again i believe he's like 20 21 years old mm. that's somebody that you want that's the type that profiles there maybe you would want like a more productive or proven 
type of player. But to me, I really would want another young guy that can fit with the core that would play the wing position, like you said, and has defensive ability. I think Moses Moody would be a good one to try and target if they could somehow get the money to work. So in that James Edward the third report, you said something to me that really kind of shocked me, and that was there's yeah. somebody that you said Boyan Boyan's probably not getting traded is what he said. Mm. Burks isn't get traded, but more likely to get traded is Sadiq. Mm-hmm. Number one, what's your what would your thoughts be on like the team trading Sadiq? I would be okay with it, depending on who they got back and what they got back for. Um, from what I'm hearing, it's a first round pick, and the team who's been the most interested has been the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat won them back on draft night. Um, so yeah, they, we, they missed them by a pick and I think they got the same interest before they pick was top 10, um, Larry pick before. So I was okay with the top 10 pick because this draft is loaded. You're going to give me a top 10 pick. Um, you can have some D-Bay because this draft is loaded, boy. I could go get GG Jackson. You know what I'm saying? I could go get whoever with that 10 pick. So, um, now they got the 18th pick. I would still do it because um, that's right around where he got drafted. Or maybe you can swing a trade for a player. Um, but in my head, why not trade him for um, – why not trade Bogey and him and maybe somebody else um, and go get OG Ananobi if he's available? You, you just stole my thunder. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. The only trade I think I would consider is OG Ananobi. If you're telling me Sadiq is going to get you OG Ananobi, fantastic. OG's 25. Yeah, he's coming along. He's been able to work more and expand his offensive game. It seems like it expands every single year. Fantastic defender, explosive guy that plays both the three and the four. Has played some small ball five when they've asked him to do it. He wouldn't be doing it on the Pistons. But he's the guy that we all are clamoring for. We want an athlete on the wing. We want somebody who can space the floor. We want somebody who can create a little bit. And we want somebody who's a perfect complement for Cade and now Jaden Ivey. And that is OG Ananobi. Uh, they were saying that the asking price was similar to Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what we call lying season back on Detroit Bad Boys. Shout out to Scott from DBB. He, I think he coined the phrase lying season way back when. Like everybody's looking for first round picks, right? But you're not going to get that. The very, very few people are going to get that. But we, you know, we'll see. I don't know what it would take to get OG Ananobi, but that would be the only one I would consider, in my opinion. I really hate when teams deal guys that are still on their rookie deal. I think that very rarely works out in that team's favor. Think about the Bulls with Lori Markinen. Or, um, yeah, it's just like this person is still developing and especially if they have flashes like Sadiq where they can be a really good floor spacer. They have that free throw ability and Sadiq did have defensive flashes. His defense on Paulo a couple games ago on the magic was really good. And when he's been able to be put on these more power forwards that are more burly and he's been able to use his strength that seemed to play more into his strengths and you don't see him getting blown by or anything I would just hate it for them again to trade somebody away that ends up working out fantastically for somebody else. When we all saw the flashes here, 
But if it's OG Ananobi, then I think that would be one that works like, yeah, this seems too good to pass up. If it's for multiple first round picks, so like Sadiq, say it's like Sadiq, Burks, whatever else you need to make the money work, and like two first round picks, like a pick and a pick swap. What would your thoughts be on that deal? Mm, I don't know if I necessarily like it, but I don't know if I necessarily hate it. Um, I would rather get players that can um, at least one or two players back from that can produce at the same rate instead of getting the picks. But if both of them picks is, you know what I'm saying, if we get the better end of the stick where it's more in favor of us getting lottery picks, then I'm, yeah, oh yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I might bulk at it if it's like Sadiq, Burks, whatever else to make the money work. 2024 unprotected and then um, like 2025 pick swap. It would be, yeah, I don't know. I'd really have a hard time with that because I really do like OG Ananobi. And I think as a small market team, like you just can't be dealing away your picks. It's how you build out the rest of your rotation. You can't attract free agents. You can't have you know like these big names like a paul Millsap come in and be like hey come to our end of our bench and play whatever like you did in brooklyn or wherever and he's playing for like the vet minimum right that's not going to happen uh in the small market places but man i think i probably would do it at the end of the day if if it got me og ananobi and i could grant the extension for him because i think he can't extend this off season but maybe the next one i forget how it works that would be the other side of it. Like I'd really want him to, to extend to, I wouldn't want to just have a rental. So that would probably factor more into it. Like what are the chances Sadiq ends up being better than OG Ananobi? Real talk. Now, I don't, I don't think it's that high of a possibility. I think he'll be a tear under him. If everything works out um, like an okay defender, somebody who can um, shoot and, uh, provide spacing, but I don't think he's ever going to be able to defend at the high rate or be anywhere close because that explosiveness changes everything. Whenever you be able to explode, when you can't teach, you know, athleticism. You just can't. You either born with it or you're not. So that's the one downfall but Sadiq, but Sadiq Bay got heart, you know, he a dog. So when he's on yeah, it's actually closer than I thought it would be the last three seasons. Well, we'll count this season. This season he's scoring 18.3 points per game, which would be a career high if OG Ananobi continues that up. Previous two seasons, 17.1, 15.9. Sadiq's actually been ahead of schedule with him in terms of being a scorer. OG didn't score over 10 points per game until season three, and even then it was 10.6. Um, but the defense is something that just can't be made up. I mean, I guess it's a harder question than I thought it would be. If Sadiq is continues to get better on offense and is a better offensive player than OG Ananobi, but is an average defender, does that change your mind? Yeah. Yeah. I think I could take that. I could live with that because I believe um, you can put players around them. Maybe we could get somebody another wing, another wing defender that might be a little bit better, or we can have him have everybody play better team defense and work the way out to where we can be, you know, um, kind of like the old four Pistons where everybody just plays really solid defense and everybody hones in on that. End. Um, 
but we have one anchor, which I think is going to be you know, Jalen Duran. Um, he gonna be that one anchor. We all fall around, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that at all. If he became a real solid defender and um, worked out the kinks on the shooting, yeah, I'd take that all day long. Yeah, it's like the difference. I've been calling Sadiq Quran Butler like that. Just seems to be mm-hmm. his comp for me. And if you look at Quran's career trajectory, like his year two sucked, and then he didn't really turn around until he got to Washington, which I think was like year four or five, um, mm-hmm. something like that. And then after that, it exploded. Uh, tough juice as was his nickname like if that were Sadiq that's probably a better player than OG Ananobi because o- unless OG Ananobi just has another you know explosion of offense which he's in year five now one two three four five actually he's in year six like how many players past year six end up becoming like the primary offensive option and all of a sudden like I unlocked this potential that nobody else saw before in the six seasons they had somewhere. Can you think of anybody? No, I can't, man. That's that's crazy. That would be crazy. The one thing that would just always sit in my mind if I were the GM is like, you mean I can have a defensive foundation of OG Ananobi, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran? That, for Detroit especially, might be too good to pass up. It's definitely a difficult question if Sadiq was on the table and did facilitate an OG and an OB trade. It's the one you and I both really want and it would be hard to turn down and you really just couldn't fault them for being that. But I think that speaks to like the Sadiq trade market too to end on that is it has to be a, an absolute 100% clear upgrade, right? If they're just trading Sadiq for the same type of things they were trading Boyan or Burks for, that would suck because then it's like, what are we doing? There's already... This guy already established himself as a three-point shooter. You were still messing with like what he was becoming on offense. You didn't figure it out yet. And now you're moving on from him for like another young player who like even if in the Moses, Moses Moody one we'll use as an example. Like Moses Moody hasn't done anything on the court. He hasn't done like a third of what Sadiq has. That would suck. And then if they dealt him for a pick, that would also suck just because of the uncertainty mm-hmm. around it, where you're trying to build the core and then you're more investing in the older guys who might have a season or two left in them. Burks has been hurt a lot in his career. That would be the one scenario where I was like, that would suck. So if they did trade Sadiq, for me, I just would want it to be a clear upgrade that can stay here for a long time. Uh, thanks again to Piston Mike for coming on and talking to our Detroit Pistons here at the Midway Point. We'll tell everybody where they can find you again and what you got going on coming next. Um, you know, um, find me on YouTube at Piston Mike. This is exactly how it's spelled, um, right here down below. And, um, the same thing on Instagram, but just put an underscore. You can find me on there on Instagram and on my, um, YouTube. You know, I love doing this. Um, probably more, some more designs for my clothing probably coming soon, sooner or later. Um, yeah. And look at more videos. Um, for um, draft and probably trades that I want to cook up. That's going to be very interesting. One thing I want to ask Steve before we end this, um, would you trade two second round picks for Cam Reddish or you would just say nay? What's the deal? Well, New York Knicks only want two second round picks for Cam Reddish and he's anybody. I think I might do it. Uh, I'd really have to dive into the film a little bit more. I was just looking at his numbers. They're not great. I can't get excited about it, but I believe he could play defense. 
If you could do like what Kevin Knox did, I probably would do it because it's hard to find a six foot nine guy like that that has the movement skills and the raw tools that he has, especially in the second round. The second round guys don't come around that often. So I probably would two second round picks. Yeah. And I'm sure Troy probably has a couple to spare. I haven't looked at their pick trove in a while, but it seems like you always just generate second round picks. So yeah, I, I would do it. We got one. We got one from Portland, German Grant. Right? No, yeah, then yeah, just send them out. Forget it. If you have so many second round picks, then get rid of them, man. For a, a intriguing player that won the lottery. Yeah, I would definitely do that. That's that's all I wanted to ask you before we go, but. Thanks, man, for having me on. Love talking about basketball. Can't wait to do this. And hopefully y'all see more from us soon, man. It's a lot to break down. The trade deadline is already underneath a month. Now we finally starting to hear and see what teams want. Yada, yada, yada. I expect a lot more deals to happen in the next couple of weeks for sure. So yeah. yeah, we'll see what the first domino is to fall. So thanks again to Piston Mike. We'll put all the links to his uh, YouTube channel, Instagram, the the shirts, the hoodies, everything in the description for this episode. We'll see you next time. How going it? Peace.